We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Vince, with that, are you ready for rapid fire? I am so ready for rapid fire. When I read your questions today, it got me a little excited on some of them. Just All right. Like, All right. Go. I'm glad. So Mike Denbrock, of course, new offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, asked how important running the ball is mm-hmm. to success for the Fighting Irish and their offense. Here's what he had to say. I, I do believe that still, and, and I think everything that you do is – has to be built around a strong running game. And now, does that mean that it, it's going to be 60 times a game? It, do, it, it doesn't mean that. I mean, it, it means that when we do call runs, that we give our guys a chance, right, numbers-wise, number one. Number two, uh, we put them in a position from a scheme standpoint uh, to take advantage of what the defense is trying to do. And then we execute it. And, um, but I, I think any great offense – revolves around the ability to be able to run the ball. Now, with with having said that, I will say that I think I'm more open than I was years ago to not just pounding my head against a brick wall and just understanding that the game has changed and the more athletes you can get out in space and, and create mismatches is also a, a good way to play offense. So there'll be a good balance of that, and there'll be, there'll be afternoons where – we run it 50 times, and there'll be afternoons where we may throw it 50. So that's Mike Denbrock. Uh, Father David says, get a new picture of Coach Denbrock. We don't like all that purple. Uniform Ugly. right now. Yeah. Anything stand out to you, Vince, what you heard there? Well, first of all, it's good football to have to, – to know that you need a running game to open up your pass game. That's just, that's just good football, right? Mm-hmm. What stood out to me, and I guess I'm not overly surprised, but he said you don't just have to run between the tackles to have a good run game because getting the ball to the perimeter is also an extension of the run game. And we've talked about that so many times on Upon Further Review about the run game and what it looks like and what extensions of the run game and all those different things. So it's not just going to be handing the ball off and be like, oh, we got to run the ball. we got to run the ball. It's, it's going to look different, which I think is huge, absolutely huge. And you can tell – Mike Denbrock's been around the block. He he knows what he needs to do to kind of get an offense going. And I love that. I love it. 
His offensive philosophy has evolved since he was here with Brian Kelly last <laughs> year because he was essentially running Brian Kelly's, you know, pl calling plays out of Brian Kelly's offense. And, you know, it wasn't his offense. He went to Cincinnati and he actually, you know, was, was able to sort of formulate his own offense, his own approach. And I, you know, you heard him talk about getting guys out in space. And to me, like there's, we had the people ask last week about, you know, 11 personnel and stuff, you know, like where, where Mike Denbrock talked about 11, like standing there listening to him, he never mentioned any, you know, personnel packages, 10, 11, 12, 21, any of that. Cause he's not going to paint himself into a box like right. that. This was the closest thing yeah. that he, that he came to that and hearing him talk about athletes out in space. I think that, you know, is maybe where that reference came from, like, to me, it means you don't have to have an extra tight end on the field to run the football. Just what you said, exactly. you know, you don't have to run the the ball between the tackles to run the football. There are a lot of different things that you can do about it and or, or you know do with it. And we've talked about it before, especially when Tommy Reese was here, but even this year as well with Jared Parker. There was less of it, I think, with Jared Parker. Definitely more with Tommy Reese. Like all you're doing by bringing that extra tight end on the field is bringing more hats into the box and right. that to yeah, me makes seriously. it more difficult for you to run the football so that's that's not how you it's a very old school way of thinking i think to think that you have to have an extra tight end out there to run the football so as as he said formationally you can do different things and still be very effective running the football it doesn't all have to look the same yeah. and i think the way college football has evolved oh my gosh there's yeah. a lot more of that than yeah. than maybe what we've seen here at notre dame the last yes few years. oh i think people are going to be pleasantly surprised i really do uh just based on what the offense is what could and will look like with Dembrock at the helm it's yeah. going to be mm, can't wait we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So we also, of course, got to talk to Max Bull, the new linebackers coach recently, and he was asked about spring priorities and specifically is spring about seeing like how many positions these linebackers can play? Because, you know, we've seen a lot about, you know, cross training in the last few years. Is spring about doing that or is it about saying, hey, this is your position. Now let's build the depth chart around that. Here was is is how Max Bullo responded to that. That varies person by person, okay. player by player. The young guys will try to get them in a spot, get them to learn it, get them to be comfortable in one spot. Then there's guys like Jack Kaiser, even Drake Bowen that have to know. Like We have to be able to put you in there with different people, and you have to be able to play the complementary position to them. Like Jalen Sneed, Jay Osberg are going to be at Rover, you know what I mean? Or they're going to be at Money. Whereas if it's Kaiser and Drake in there, you know, Kaiser's probably the money. But if it's Kaiser and Sneed in there, Sneed's the money, Kaiser's the Mac. So to answer your question, there's there's yeah. like two different no, nah, I wouldn't say tiers, there's two different groups. Yeah. One group, hey, you gotta know it all. Cause I gotta be able to grab you by the, the helmet and throw you out there. Whoever's out there, you gotta go to the other spot. And then there's the young guys or other guys that are specialized in certain areas, have a certain certain skill set that we'll try to lock in in one spot. At least Max Bull is wearing Notre Dame gear in his photo, I guess. You know, Father <laughs> David can be happy about that. He loves that. to pound that table. Yeah. Before I ask you the questions, I want to note something because you probably heard a couple new terms in there. He talked about the Mac and the money position. Yes. I, you know, I, if you picked up on that. So Mac and the money are the nickel package. So oh. when the nickel back is on the field, instead of Will and Mike, you have the Mac and the money line back. So those become essentially different positions themselves. Yeah. So those are the two in basically money is the will linebacker. Mac is the middle linebacker in the nickel package. In the base package, it's just the same as it's always been. So just so, wanted to explain that. Okay. First. So so basically the money is the will in the in the dime or in the nickel package. In the nickel. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, which now, makes sense. Did, he didn't go into dime package, but yeah. Right. But which which makes sense. I mean yeah. okay. Gotcha. So just kind of explaining that the general philosophy that he was talking about. Does that feel like a shift to you compared to what we've uh, kind of seen, especially specific to the linebackers the last few years? It's a huge shift because before all we ever heard was everybody has to know everything. Right. And so we had a bunch of jack of all trades, master of none, which, which I mean, could you say that the defense has been successful? Sure. But at the same time, I personally subscribe to the theory that you find you get really freaking good at one position. And if that's the case, then you can start learning some other stuff. Right. It's Especially like, as a freshman walking in the door. Right. Exactly. It's, it's because like, it's one thing to be JD Bertrand and Maris Leofow and, right. and Jack exactly. Kaiser, who have been around for a few years. Right. When you're walking in the door your first spring, I don't think you need to be focused on trying to play three different positions. I think, as you said, you need to, to learn one the best you can, get as good as you can at that, and then. Right start branching out after that. And it's like, you know, algebra, right? You learn your algebra before you move on to calculus. You got to have a good foundation 
before you can move on. And that's exactly how I feel about linebacker player, any football position for that matter, right? Now, wide receiver is a little bit different. You can learn all three wide receiver positions, I think, and still be okay because it, 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 it lends itself to that. But at linebacker, man, learn one. And I'm glad that that's going to be the focus. And he specifically said two guys are going to learn more than one position, essentially, Kaiser and Drake Bowen. And I thought that was interesting too. And that leads me to my next question. But you know, just making sure, you know, because I can't remember which freshman linebacker it was last year, but I remember asking him specifically the question about what are you focused on right now? He's like, well, I'm learning all three. And it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Why are you having freshmen do that in their first right. spring, when they're early enrollees first spring on campus? So I think it's great that like hearing him talk about that, that you know, sort of basically saying the younger you are and the more raw you are, you're going to focus on one thing, get good. And then once you're good at that, then you're going to move on to the next thing. I think simplifying makes a lot of sense. But then you heard him talk about Drake Bowen. Does it sound like he's kind of the front runner, like the guy to beat at the mic right now? He used his name and Kaiser's name in the same sentence. I feel like that tells you a lot. Yes. You know what I mean? I, I just, he, he kind of put those two in like a different category from everybody else. I mean, he basically said, he's like, you got two groups. You got these two and you got everybody else. Yeah, like, that's true. To me, that though, there's the starters. Here's everybody else. Like, I feel like that's kind of where things stand right now. And I'm not overly surprised about that. Yeah, now, there were not. other, obviously, questions that he got where he talked about, you know, some other guys like Jalen Sneed, Jaden Osbury. Those those are kind of the, the top two guys, it sounds like, at the Rover right now. Now, that doesn't mean that, that those guys, you know, again, because they've been around for a little bit, might not you know, mix in and, you know, especially in different sub packages and stuff like that, you know, kind of see where they fit at some other sure. positions. But uh, yeah, I mean, it sure sounds to me like, like Drake Bowen is right up there at the top and, and Jack Kaiser because of where he, you know, and he talked about Kaiser being bulked up a little bit more and, you know, sort of uh, being able to hold, to hold yeah. his own more. He's up closer to two thirty right now. So he's sure. added a little beef and it's amazing that, that Drake Bowen, especially for as fast as he is, is like even bigger than that. He's up around, you know, 240. <laughs> so that guy. I wouldn't want to be the catcher in the way of him at home plate. Just no going to throw that out there. No but kidding. I I would say Kaiser is now making his body one that where I think he will be a very good will. And I think Drake Bowen will be a very good Mike. And right. I think the battle is so on too. for Rover. Like that's, that's, that's how I feel where things are. I agree. I agree for sure. Uh, Brent, I, I don't know if Brent left us or not, but he was, you know, throwing oh, this here. out there earlier. He said, Dallas visits the 49ers again in 2024. What say you? Uh, you know, I don't know if you're trying to get me to come out there and hang or something, <laughs> but, you know, like if you want to buy the tickets, Brent, I'd be more than glad to come out there and, you know, like you and watch you and Jesse beat each other up in the parking lot or something before Cowboys 49ers. But uh, where I stand right now, I'm not spending you know, very much money on anything Cowboys related, if if that's what you were alluding to. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, holds my beer. This goes back to the main uh, topic earlier in the show. He says, when the ACC inevitably implodes, what does Notre Dame do? Where do they go? Land a similar deal with the Big Twelve. Big Ten will say no chance without full membership. Same 
with the SEC. Vince, your answer. This is easy, honestly, for me. They go back to the Big East. If you look at the members of the Big East right now, it's a great basketball conference. It's a great basketball conference, at least on the men's side. I can't really speak to the women's side. Maybe you can do that better than I can. But if you look, Uh, you got Women's side is mostly UConn, but you've got like Marquette and Creighton as solid teams. Marquette, Creighton, DePaul, Butler, Xavier, Georgetown, Villanova, Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, and UConn. That's where you send your all the Catholic schools. That's where you send your Olympic sports. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I I don't even think it's I think it's a no brainer football because they don't have football. So there you go. I I I think the answer is right there in front of you. And to be honest with you, outside of women's basketball, there might be a better conference all around. Man, the only the only question would be if it comes to that. Because now everyone is going to be ticked off that you're, mm-hmm. you know, like everything, you know, whatever has, you know, like the, the ACC is going to be blaming, you know, Notre Dame for them falling apart because Notre Dame wouldn't sign up full force. The Big Ten is going to be mad at them because they, they won't join the Big Ten. Like, are you, you know, again, like as of right now, what Jack Swarbrick says was everyone's lining up to schedule Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Are you still going to be able to put together a good year in and year out schedule remaining independent in football, or is everyone going to be ticked off enough at you that they're going to say, no, I don't want to play you. They will be ticked off to a degree until they realize how much money they can make when Notre Dame comes to town. That's right. I, that's it. I'm, I'm sorry, but people are going to sell be- out their stadium still, just like, <laughs> the AC, like, like, you know, again, it's like the ACC. Now I get it. You know, the conference commissioner would, would prefer that Notre Dame, is a full-fledged member, but he's also, you know, like the 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 actual athletic directors. I don't think they're that, you know, they're that upset when Notre Dame comes to town and they sell out their stadium for that game. Right. right? How happy was the and ACC? the fact that they get on national TV yes. most of the time in the process. How happy was the ACC when Notre Dame had to join their conference for a year, right? I mean, they were over the moon. They were ecstatic. Yeah, and it was great for all parties. And that's involved. why they want him full time. <laughs> exactly why they want him full time. Teams in the Big Ten may be upset. Teams in the SEC may be upset, but they will continue to schedule Notre Dame. I mar- just mark my words. Yeah, I mean It'll it's probably the only happen. thing. Now again, remember, as of right now, uh, until and unless Florida State actually finds a way out of this grant of rights, the grant of rights yeah, will last massive. like thirteen more years. Yeah, so. Like it, it, so it, it, at least for right now, Notre Dame's involvement helps keep the ACC together and helps them get as much money as they're getting. But that's like Notre Notre Dame joining the ACC potentially full time thirteen years from now. If it came to that, that might be the only thing that keeps the ACC together beyond you know twenty thirty six. Is yeah. if they could if they could actually get Notre Dame to join up. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's probably the only thing that's going to keep the ACC together at this point. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Unfortunately, I just just don't see Notre Dame doing it. I mean, they look, they try to help out the ACC every chance they get. They do. But I don't know that they're going to go that far. You know what I mean? I just, I don't see it. So speaking of, uh, well, I guess we weren't talking about the SEC. We were st- we, we were earlier. We were just talking about the ACC. But SEC, SEC commissioner, I was adding an extra C. 
SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has a proposal to unclutter the busy month of December. The plan would make the entire month of December a dead period for recruiting. Now, as of right now, the last two weeks of December are a recruiting dead period, but this plan would make the entire month a dead period. Mm-hmm. It would also move the early signing period up from the middle of December to the first week of the month. So the early signing period would be after the end of the regular season, but right away in that first month of December before the conference championship games are played. They would also change the transfer portal. Now, they haven't decided exactly. Well, nothing has been decided, but this proposal would potentially eliminate the December window altogether and only have the spring window for the transfer portal. So what do you think about this? <laughs> there are so many. And you different... might need to take it point by point. Yeah. Because there are three different points here, obviously. You know, as far as the entire month of December being a dead period for recruiting, honestly, I'm fine with that because, especially with the 12-team playoff, if if you're in the playoff, if you're one of the 12 teams in the playoff, you need to be preparing for the playoff. Like, I, it, it, would, it stinks when you have to – pull double duty, right? When you have to split your focus between recruiting and preparing. And so making the entire month of December a dead period, I'm actually okay with that. And this proposal is sort of with an eye on the fact that the playoff is expanding and you're going to have even more going on in December now. Because if you're not in the playoff, you've got a kind of a one-up on those teams that are in the playoff because you can just focus entirely on recruiting recruiting and whatever crap-ass bowl game that you got into. Um, And so I do like the December dead period. So that... Point number one, I'll give a thumbs up. Okay, I'm Point with you there. Two. I'm with you there. Okay, Point agree. number two, the early signing period. I'm fine with that too. And in fact, I am a proponent of moving the early signing period to August. So it's before the senior years of these guys. Um, so that they don't have to worry about all the garbage during their senior year. I, I Most I of these guys with, know where they're going. At that I agree point. with that. Like late July or early August. Yeah, right. The article I read at Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger had it, and he talked directly to Greg Sankey. Sankey mentioned there's been stuff floated around about moving the early period to June, which I had not heard before reading. That's early. Okay. But high school coaches, specifically high school coaches in Texas, which is obviously a hotbed, don't seem that hot on the month of June. I don't know why, you know, June as opposed to late July or August because that seems really that's early. That's a little early me. for me too. Yeah, because yeah. I there's a lot of stuff that happens in the in summertime. There there are a lot of guys that get scholarship offers in the summertime. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I would still you're going to camps and stuff. Yeah, like that still I, I would still want that summertime for these guys to you know some of these late bloomers. You know that kind of stuff. Like I I would still want that. Like for example, I can only use my own example, right? My own experience. Like we're planning on going to these different camps in June so that because all these schools want to see my kid kick in person. They want to see it with their own eyes. That's all in June. So if they have the early signing period, some of those spots might be taken. You know what I mean? So I would push it to the end of the summer, and I think that would be good. But they're moving it up a little bit. I I would give it like a half thumbs up, like a, like a sideways thumb. I would still agree. Like, seems like you're still evaluating in June. Again, like that's when the camps are for the most part. Like why? I I don't think that there's any reason to move it up that far late July, early August, but yeah, it, yeah. So it's, it, 
I'll be curious to see exactly where that goes. I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind moving it to like the first week of December as opposed yeah. to the middle of December. If that's the only, like if that's maybe sort of an incremental option right, right now to at least move it up a little bit, get it done and then make the rest of the month a dead period. I don't mind that. But I agree. I would still rather have it like late July or early August. Because most, most high school teams, at least in the North are done by December, like with their high school seasons. And so that's why you would put it there. Like I would not want the the signing period to be in the middle of the season. Like that's kind of crazy. So it either had to be before or after, but there's still plenty of high school kids that are playing in, in December too. So, or in that early part of December in the warmer States. Right. So I don't know. I just, uh, I'm still a proponent of doing it before the season starts. Let these guys have their senior year. I think that makes sense. The portal thing. Yeah. This is where I have a big problem. Actually. I just, cause I think that, you know, there's, there's obviously there's a benefit for everyone to getting the, the transfer portal going mm-hmm. in December so that and you obviously, you know, it's, it's hard to push it later in December because you want these guys to have their decisions made so they can enroll. They, at they can enroll. They can enroll. Like Riley that's, Leonard and RJ yes. Oben and, and uh, Jordan Clark. Right? That's the issue. That's yeah. the, that's the hundred percent issue. Yes. You can have a dead period, but it's not dead for transfers. I still right. think that you need to be able to recruit these transfers because they right. need to be able to enroll first yeah. week of January sometimes. High school dead period, but transfers have to be yeah. handled differently. Because you want those transfers to be here in the spring, and if they can't enroll in January, they're not going to be here in the spring. Yeah. So it totally shoots down the whole transfer portal thing. I would not I would not like that at all. There's I I would have to think that there there is more benefit to keeping a transfer portal window open in December than there is just pushing the whole thing to the end of spring because I realize you have more time on your hands at the end of spring but again like where if you're having spring practice and you've got a new quarterback for example you know you're bringing in a quarterback you want that guy to be on campus with your team in the spring and not have to wait until summer you know after the spring is over like you're wasting everybody's time potentially by by pushing it to the end of spring practice and doing absolutely hundred percent because you got a bunch of false competitions and you know right. all these different things and why would you want to wait to see who's going to be where until the fall and now you're preventing a lot of these guys from the spring to transfer frankly if they get beat out and they're not going to play they usually find that out in the spring and then they can jump in the portal and, and do their own thing if they don't find out till the fall now they're stuck for another year and. So if you're truly trying to be for the players, you know, you, you, you can't do that. You can't. Bears quarterback, Justin Field said on the St. Brown brothers podcast with Amon Ra and Equinemius. Of course they have a podcast. I know, right. That it's no big deal that he has unfollowed the bears and the NFL on Instagram. Phil says, just because you don't follow the girl on IG doesn't mean you're not messing around with her. And, oh, you know, this kind of whole thing, this it, it blew up over the weekend. Do you buy or sell Justin Fields' explanation? I sell social media in general because people read too much into now likes. That's, and... that's part of his explanation is like people read too much into the right. social media. They're basing now, too much on it. At the same time, 
If you're going to be on social media and you're going to be a public figure, you got to be smart about what you're doing. You know that people are going to read I, too much into it. So 100% sell his excuse because he knew damn well what he was doing. Right. You don't you have to try to unfollow somebody first of all. Right. Like it's an it's a like it's a challenge. Like I always tell these kids when I am in my office like you got to try to fail as bad as you're failing <laughs> right now. Like you have to try to go in and unfollow people. It doesn't just accidentally happen. You know what I mean? He knew exactly what he was in, what he was doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't buy it even a little bit. He's kind of being childish about the whole thing. That's no, I know. Saying. Like you can you can try to play it off and whatever. You're absolutely like there is a mute function on social media, right? You don't have to, <laughs> right? You right. don't have to unfollow some. You can just mute because, like, his his whole thing is, I don't want that in my timeline because it's too much drama and that's all I'm seeing, and I just want to, you know, separate myself from that so that I'm away from the drama. He, you know, he just wants to get it over with, is what he's saying. Either then he's going to be with the team account. or they're going to trade him. You know, like, and I and I get that. You know, okay. like, but if well, if that's the case, just hit the mute. Like, and right. it takes it right out of your timeline. Like that's all you have to do. You don't have to unfollow him. But, did. but you're absolutely right. He knew exactly the kind of attention that it was going to draw. Like he can sit there and say that people place too much value on what you're doing on social media. But he knew, like he's of that age. He knows exactly how much importance, like especially people in his age demographic absolutely. and the media are going to place 100%. on that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. And if you really, you know, just wanted to, you know, get get away from it. Then delete your account, or There's that too, or or just delete the app. Delete the app yeah. on your phone so that you're not getting the notifications and everything else. But you didn't delete well, your look, account; it's still there, whatever. And a lot like, of the Notre Dame players, you know, at least they they tell you know, like the, they'll talk about it without even being asked about it. They they talk about how they, especially during the season, they'll delete the app from their phone. Yeah, and, you know, just completely remove themselves it's, from it. Pretty they're not told they have to, but a lot of them do it just so that they're yeah. not getting, you know, because, you know, let's face it, one bad game. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people, you know, who blow up these guys' social media accounts with, with a so lot of different bad. BS, right? So and bad. so they just remove themselves from it. And that would be the, the thing to do. Smartest thing to do. Yeah. Smartest thing to do. So, no, I don't buy any of that nonsense. None of it. So the Cubs have agreed finally to a contract with Mr. Cody Bellinger over the weekend, 80 million bucks for three years. Do you buy or sell your Chicago Cubs, Vince D'Addario, as a legit contender after locking up Cody Bellinger? They are a legit contender in the central. That's as far okay. as I'm willing to go. And okay. if you're a legit contender in your division, you're then a that legit means you contender make the playoffs, for, yeah. right? And if yeah. you're in, you got to be at the dance in order to get the girl. So that gets them in the dance. And so I, I think they're uh, they've got the second best odds behind the Cardinals um, to to make to win the division, right? And I think that's exactly where they need to be. I think they got a great coach. I think they've got a lot of pieces. I do. I think they have a lot of pieces. Now, a lot of those pieces are going to have to perform to the best of their ability. You know, you can't have a bunch of injuries because they're not. I don't think that they're deep enough even though their farm system is, is loaded, but those guys aren't all ready to be major leaguers. So yes, they are contenders, but a lot of things have to go their way too. Does that make sense? Like no, I, 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 I like Craig council. I think he's going to, 
put the yeah. pieces where they need to go and be competitive all season long. And it's not like Craig Council has not had some good players in Milwaukee, but he he had, you know, in part because of what the division is, but also in part because of the way he manages, he kept the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. contenders with with lower payrolls and less than, talent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Absolutely. less talent overall than than, you know, teams like the Cubs and the Cardinals the last few years. So I think it starts with him, but having Bellinger is definitely oh. a good bedrock piece. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I agree. I think that's a good way to put it. I would uh, consider them at least legit contenders in the central. And because if you win your division, that makes you a, you know, a legit yeah. contender in your league. So I think they're legit, but to me, it starts again. It starts with, with Craig council. I, I think that it's yes. a step up by the way. I think it's odd. Like, David Ross was doing TV, and I thought he was pretty good at TV. It was Sunday night before baseball. He became a manager. It? Is he doing? I haven't heard anything about him potentially doing any ESPN or anything like oh, that this year. I, I haven't heard anything. Maybe, I mean, I think there was still some time on his contract, so he's probably still getting paid. Um, but yeah, I'm a little surprised myself, to be honest with you, because I, I thought he was very good. Um, yeah. I thought yeah. he was very good, to be honest with you. Maybe he's I a little shell shocked that you know after getting yeah. canned by the Cubs. Maybe he doesn't want that that public, or I don't know. I'm, I'm I looked up. I just googled David Ross and I hit news. You know, it brings up like the 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 most recent news. It's all from November, like when they kind of made this move, and so you know, getting him out and bringing in Craig Council. So, um, yeah, Jesse was always pretty down on. David Ross I never felt like like the teams that he managed never felt like the organization was fully invested in yeah. giving him his best team but there are a lot of micro moves that as the manager that that again like if I sure. had if my choice if my choice is Craig Council or David Ross I'm going to take Council every day of the week because Council has all already right. proven himself to be a superior game right. manager if, if we're comparing the two, I mean, Craig Council wins the battle of better manager. There's no doubt about that. I also yeah. agree with you, though, that David Ross wasn't given all the tools to be successful either. Like, I mean, he had, when he first took over, I mean, he had some crap rosters. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. And, you know, he had to be the manager during COVID and all these different things. And so he had a lot of, a lot of the deck was stacked against him. I'm still a David Ross fan. I loved him when he was a player. I thought he did a decent job as a manager. I think he's a good guy, solid manager. Yeah, and I think that's solid, fair. But I don't think he's a great manager. I think that's fair. I and I, honestly, I think if he goes and maybe takes a bench coach job someplace, it's I heard the Yankees offered him a bench coaching job and he turned it down because he wants to be a manager. I think that could have been a good move for him. Go be a bench coach for a couple of years, get another manager's job, and I think that's where he could potentially excel. I've, you know, I just remember. Do you remember when I interviewed him a few years back when he was doing Dancing with the Stars over on the radio? Oh, you know, I do remember that. Still? I do. Remember I just that. remembered that I did. You know, and it, yeah, because like, and I think it was one of those, you know, the Dancing with the Stars publicists or whatever. It was one of those like we got ten minutes with him, and my radio partner. Said, <laughs> I don't know anything about Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> that pop culture. <gasps> so. <laughs> But we had fun with it. It was a lot of fun. That's hilarious. Because back then we were still like as a family, especially when David Ross was on. I oh yeah, watching, 
that season, and then that opportunity came up. So that was a lot of fun. You got to take it. He was a good guy. He had fun with it. And that's the thing. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a genuine guy. I think what you see is what you get with David Ross because I think he was the same when he was a player. I think he was the same when he was on TV doing like Sunday Night Baseball. And I think he was the same as a manager. So I I think he is genuinely a good guy. I concur. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. We've been at it for a while. We went even longer than I thought we were going to go tonight. But you you. told me when I sent you the outline, (laughs) this has the potential to go for a while. And it absolutely did. So nothing wrong with that. All right. He's Vince. I'm Sean. We're going to wrap it up with that. Hope everybody enjoyed their time with us tonight. Hit the like button before you leave. I'm not sure what's going on tomorrow for a show yet. I guarantee we will be back Wednesday. Um, my wife broke her ankle last week, so she has to have surgery on that. She's having some screws and stuff, you know, Ooh, put in her ankle That sounds tomorrow. Cool. So I've got to, you know, take her up there and, you know, get her past the drugs and all that kind of stuff. Once <laughs> get her in the house, when she gets home and, you mm. know, all that different kind of you gotta stuff. You got to be the nurse so, for the nurse. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. So I'll be see how, see how, how, what of a patient she is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, based on the fact that she's been home the last week with a cast on it, um, not a very good patient. (laughs) Sit down. Remember, you're home for a reason. Sit down. (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh. Appreciate it, Paul. Thank you very much. And I will pass that along. So we will talk to you. Vince and I will be back on Wednesday. And we will talk to you then on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Thank you.